Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now, your host, Keith Williams. Keith Williams with the Skill Stadium Podcast, episode 67. And today, you know, it's a weekly podcast that features professionals in the skilled trades, business owners, trade school educators, administrators, career coaches, influencers for the skilled trades. Today, we're going to learn about careers in the skilled trades, and we're going to learn about a program that is partnering with businesses to help prepare students for careers in the skilled trades. My guest today is a skilled trade advocate who works for workforce development. He grew up in a small town called Tama, Iowa. He has three years of experience under his current job, where he started a workforce initiative, where he also volunteers for his current position, which existed four years ago. What makes him really good at his job is his strengths, is his willingness to listen and learn from others. He loves to network in his industry and to share his role and passion for building up the future generations. He has had, after high school, he went to college for two and a half years. He switched leaving the traditional college and going to a tech school for audio engineering. After he met his wife, he went back into the industry. He grew up most of, with most of his training in work-based or job training fields. His career, he grew up in the trades with a family that ran a plumbing shop for over 30 years. He worked for a national distributor for five years in Las Vegas and Omaha and Des Moines. And one of his biggest accomplishments that he's very proud of is in 2019, he was he won a Professional Builder Award magazine for 40 Under 40. During his free time, he likes to spend time with his family, his wife, his two kids. He likes to camp, run, hike, and watching Iowa Hawkeyes and Kansas City Chiefs. Please welcome Brandon Patterson to the Skill Stadium Podcast. Brandon, how are you this morning? I'm doing good. Thanks, Keith, for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Brandon, I um, really appreciate you taking the time to be a guest on my podcast. I think you and I connected on LinkedIn, if I'm not mistaken, which shows the power of social media in terms of connecting people. I've seen Brandon, actually, in fact, I've seen you on a couple of podcasts. And uh, so I know you're no stranger to this. Uh, Brandon, tell me something. Let's start with the work that you do in your current job in workforce development. Help people understand what you do on your job. Yeah, so my job is really trying to find that next generation of workers. We really focus a lot on, you know, like that K-12 or community college age student. We run some programs here. So something that we did back in 2017, roughly 2016, we started raising money to privately fund a skilled trades academy within a our largest school district in Iowa, which is called Des Moines Public Schools at a building that they have called Central Campus. So we actually funded over $2 million at this point to create a skilled trades academy that has welding, carpentry. They do drywall finishing, painting, all these different trades where students can come from surrounding schools. Actually, you don't have to be a Des Moines public school student to go there and go and get your education. And we run a few curriculums out of there where they're able to walk out with some pre-apprenticeship hours or apprenticeship hours and go on to that next step, whether it be college or whether go straight into the field. That's one of the things that we do here. And then we have a big event every year called Build My Future, which we actually have four of them across Iowa. 
and they are for students to come and actually get their hands on those trades because like a lot of schools, they don't have access to, you know, shop class anymore or welding class anymore or some of these trades. So we bring it to kind of a one day event where people can come from all around Iowa and actually get their hands on running heavy equipment and kind of doing some of the things that they would do in an apprenticeship or on the job and give them the opportunity to see that. And our goal is to spark that interest, whether they're a freshman in high school or whether they're a senior and maybe they didn't know their next steps. We hear a lot of stories where, you know, they came to that event and didn't know what they were going to do before that event. But now after that, they're going to do, they're going to be a carpenter or they're going to be a welder because of that event. They found their passion. How do you get the, I'm going to assume that you have companies that sponsor and back back this event up. How do you get those companies on board? What is it that you're doing that, that you're doing to get them on board? Yeah, I think it's really just, you know, when we really started the, the Iowa Skilled Trades, which is our workforce development initiative, and then that Skilled Trades Academy that we, we started, we actually held an event back in 2017 with Mike Rowe from Dirty Jobs. And it was a big event. It was a huge undertaking, but it forced us to make maybe some relationships that we hadn't had in the past and kind of open our doors to working closely with the Department of Education, with their intermediary network with the colleges, and then working with, you know, like our local unions and some of these, what some people would probably consider their uh, competitors. We went out there and kind of collaborated with them instead of thinking That's of them as competitors, we're collaborating with you to do these. So we held this huge event. It was a big success. And I think it kind of gave us some credibility that we were hardworking, that we do what we say we're going to do, that we really are a true partner. We're not going to you know, hold an event like this and then act like we're going to be your partner and then take all these leads or you know, take, these, take the workforce from you. That's not what we're trying to do. We're just trying to open the doors to our future generation of our workforce and kind of you know, bring awareness to what we do. So doing that event and then doing our first Build My Future event, which was in 2019, making, you know, having that be a success too, which was one of the, on our first year, we were, I think the second largest or the largest build my future in the nation on our mm-hmm. first year. Wow. That's um, and then this year we were the largest build my future. So it's just having that continued success and keeps the credibility going. And then while we keep doing these, we keep growing relationships, we keep networking, we keep reaching out to people that maybe, you know, maybe the first year they said no, but they keep seeing what we're doing and they keep seeing the continued success. So we have a track record of, you know, doing what we say we're going to do and having the results. And they're, they're all positive. I mean, all the stories that came out of Build My Future this year were amazing. Now, Build My Future, that's national because you said you guys had the biggest. So you're referring to Iowa, your local Build My Future event, because this is a national organization, correct? So it's, yeah, it's not even an organization. It's just really a name. So a lot of people, it could be, so if you look and you Google uh, build my future and you type in a state afterwards or something like that, you'll find that some might be run by a chamber of commerce. Yes. You'll find some that might be run by an association like a home, home builders association like us, where we partner with Iowa skilled trades or workforce development initiative. You'll find some that are run by like some of those franchises or groups like AGC, which again is an association, but like maybe the Build Californias or the Build Alabamas or something like that. So it really depends. Some are run by even the state workforce development programs, and then they just use that name, Build My Future. Ours was taken from a group 
which was run by the uh, Home Builders Association out of Springfield, Missouri. That's kind of what we yeah. modeled ours off of. We had partners down there and mm-hmm. they helped us out a lot with the first year that we ran ours. So ours is kind of more modeled off of that. There's different ways that people do it. And I've seen ones that are community college only where it's, you know, your post-secondary stuff. And those seem super successful. So it's really all about what makes most sense to you. So we don't own that name. We're all about seeing it across the country. So it's, it's definitely fun to watch all the other ones as well. Yeah. I also think big picture is that even though you're working with organizations that might possibly have different interests or might seem like they're competing, the objective where everyone is going to benefit is that you're getting more people going into the funnel of the skilled trades. Everybody benefits from that. And so there's no need for people to feel like they have to compete with one another, whether it be this company is union, this is non-union. So, you know, it's, it's a mutual goal that they all have, I would assume. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, some people, you know, we don't all have the same resources, right? So sometimes it it makes a lot more sense to collaborate and, you know, combine these resources and combine our networks and spheres of influence and things like that to be able to get the word out and to, you know, really, I think of it, you know, like as a marketing or a sales funnel, right? You know, we Mm -hmm. can make it bigger and bring these people in through all these different things that we're doing, you know, the build my futures or the career fairs or the going to talk to the K-12s just individually. Like those are all little funnels that kind of all just help us down the line. But there's no reason that we shouldn't be doing this all together and uh, helping each other out. Tell me, how did you get, and I think we sort of answered this, but how did you get all those organizations to see the big picture? to understand that there is a mutual benefit for them all to kind of just, you know, collaborate and work together. Cause that's not always easy. No, it's definitely not easy. And, and I said it before, it's like maybe the first time you get a no, right. But when you keep, you know, proving your success and you have a track record of maybe even they start to see the workers trickle in to whether it's apprenticeship or, you know, whatever, or straight into the, the, the workforce, or maybe they're seeing you guys kind of just prove that you're funneling people in, you're, make, you're making these connections, you're actually doing what you say you are as far as the partnership goes. Um, I think that that's when people start to kind of buy in. And, you know, you can probably tell sometimes too by people's passion and their energy, right? If somebody, like whether they are who they say they are, I think that helps a lot too. Like you can tell that generally I'm out on social media and stuff. Like you are a lot out there talking about workforce development and what we're doing and what others are doing. I'm not just promoting myself. I'm trying to promote other great things around Iowa and around the country about how they they do an excellent job of recruiting the next generation of the workforce. No, I agree. I agree. It makes sense. You know, it's... Our actions, our actions show everything, you know, and, you know, with social media, it's very easy for people to see a track record of what you've done. And, and like I said, I, I do see a lot of work that you're doing out there. So, um, you know, respect to you for that. Let me ask you something. What are the students telling you? Because this, this is what's most important. The students who are attending this event, what are they saying that they enjoyed the most about the experience on Build Your Future? What do they like about it? Well, the one, you know, one of the main things that we always hear from, from doing this event is like, this is the best <laughs> that, you know, it's a field trip to a lot of them when they start the day. Yes. Because right? yes. some of them might know what they're in for and then some of them might not. Yes. Um, 
So, you know, they go and they're like, oh my God, this is the best field trip we've ever had. So it's always funny when they call it a field trip. But then, yeah, the other stories like I'm telling you were like, they didn't really know maybe they were, you know, maybe they're, you know, upperclassmen or maybe they're just about ready to graduate a month or two and they didn't really know their path. And they mm-hmm. go there and maybe they talk to one of the businesses, uh, businesses or exhibitors or maybe they actually get their hands on and they're doing welding or they're running heavy equipment and they're like, oh my God, this is what I want to do. And we hear those stories about, you know, people going like, I have no idea what I want to do. And now I signed up and I'm going to go do an apprenticeship with John Deere. Right. Mm -hmm. So we hear that, or we're going to go and I'm going to work with the plumbers and steam fitters, or I'm going to go and I'm going to start learning what I have to learn to be able to become an apprentice in the electrical apprenticeship, because there's a very math heavy test that they have to do. So like, what do I have to do to become uh, an electrical apprentice. So they start to learn those things and they start to get passionate about it. So those are the stories we hear. And then we have, you know, other stories where, you know, just we try and make it accessible for everyone. Right. So we had a student who was in a wheelchair that was with a group of his friends and all his friends were going to get in this welding trailer. We have this huge welding trailer. That's a semi, right. And it's just yes. this ginormous thing that's in this building and they can go in there and there's, you know, a ton of welding bays and they go in there and they weld these eagles and all his friends were going in there and the, the group of the plumbers and steam fitters was like, well, don't you want to go in there? And well, he's like, well, I, I can't go in there. You know, there's steps. I'm in a wheelchair. I can't get up there. And they're like, oh, no, we'll get you up there. So they nice. did them all up in the coat and everything. And they lifted it up and brought his wheelchair in. And he was able to weld his own eagle. And it was, it was a big deal for him and for actually the union. And the union's like, we're always going to do this event from now on. Because now, did that, he- that made such an impact on everybody. Yeah, I'm curious, did he actually pursue that field? Are you familiar with what happened with the young man in the wheelchair? So I don't think he's a, he wasn't old enough to, to okay. he's still in high school as far okay. as I know, but they, I mean, the, the plumbers and steam fitters made a big deal out of it. I'm pretty sure that he's on their website and stuff now. So like it, it's uh, a pretty big deal for everyone. Oh, that is so cool. That yeah. is awesome. So yeah, we hear all sorts of, all sorts of stories like that. And you know, this year ours was a little bit different too, because we don't just include construction based you know, skilled trades. We also include things like manufacturing, trucking. We added healthcare this year. Really? Like just trying to add in these types of jobs that are in high demand, but, you know, maybe don't always require a four-year degree. It could be a two-year program, could be a certificate program, could be, you know, something where it's, you know, you're, you're doing the the on the job training and you are earning credits while you, while you're there. And it's just, we, we feel like we need to showcase all these different career pathways that are available in Iowa that maybe aren't the traditional. Also, don't forget some of these people when they're doing, a, when they're doing apprentice and correct me if I'm wrong, they're, they're getting paid. Am I correct in saying like, that? Paid well paid, you know, like a lot of these people I would say, and it depends, you know, what trade it is or whatever, but there's a lot of times that my guess is you're getting paid more than the average salary in the state of Iowa by doing, by being an apprentice. Wow. And once you're out or you reach a certain amount of hours, you know, you pay us pay year one, you increase year two, you increase year three, and then you roll over and you're a journeyman and you're a whole nother pay scale. Right. And then you go yes. on and you want to be a master plumber. Or maybe you decide that at that point, you're like, I'm ready to be my own business owner. Yeah. Right? What's amazing that impresses me is that, you got to remember, these are high school kids who said, okay, I know what I want to do. I've seen people in college, in finishing college, who, don't, who can't answer that question. 
So I think it's quite remarkable. You know, I think it, it's not lost on me, and I'm sure you see this, that these are young people, 18 and under, right? They're high school students. So it's pretty powerful when they can answer that question. Here's what I want to do. And you know what? They don't have to do that same exact job for the rest of their lives. They can, they have other options as they progress Absolutely. in their career. So, 100%. you know, it's not like, I, and I, I tell this to young people, and I'm, I'm sure you've said this, you know, where you start right now. So when you make a decision, go for something you enjoy and you, and you have interest at it and you feel like you can be pretty good at, but you're not making a decision that you have to do this for the rest of your life. So it makes it easier to make a decision as opposed to overthinking it. Right. Yeah. You know, they put way too much, you know, weight and way too much stress on some of these kids at that age to, you know, like I, I've said it a lot recently, like we, we pretend like this is the most important decision that they're ever going to make in their life. Where, no. You know, like you go to somebody, like I just went to a few graduation parties this year, right. For, friends that were having kids that were graduating high school and you know it's like hey man what are you doing everybody asked the same question right yes and it's like you know they're 18 you know like it's not whatever they whatever decision they make whether it's college or you know whether it's you know maybe just work in retail for a year to try and figure out what they're doing it's okay they're going to be just fine they have time to figure that out and Maybe they need to see it from a from a different angle. Maybe they need to travel for a while and get away and you yes. know see some see something different than what they've seen for the last eighteen years, and that's going to be okay. I can tell you, when I came out of high school, I had no idea what I was going to do, and when I was in college, I had no idea what I was going to do. I trained, changed my major multiple times, only to go back to an industry that I was raised in and yes. very passionate about because I grew up with these people that are starting to retire. And I'm like, oh, man, who's going to fill all these jobs when they're gone? Who's going to work for, you know, this business that my family created when all these people who I grew up with are retiring? Which yes. Is now. Yeah. And you're seeing that now. Like there, there are a lot of the, you know, I, I've seen so many reports and articles on how, you know, when 10 people retire from skilled trades, there's only like three or four replacing them. So the gap just keeps growing. And if you've ever had to call, and I'm sure a lot of people have had to do this. If you've ever had to call a plumber recently, it's taking longer for them to get out. I don't know if people are noticing that. That's national because I talk to people right around the country and there's not a single person who hasn't given me that response. Yeah, it's taking a little while to get plumbers out, right? And if that gap keeps growing, it's going to take start taking longer or start costing more. So it is so critical, the work that you're doing to get more people into the skilled trades. Tell me, how do you connect with students to make them aware of these careers? Because I think that that's important. How do you connect with these students yeah i think uh you know we try and get better at connecting with them as we continue to grow you know like i can't say that we're the best at what we do we just try and get better we do a lot of the stuff that i'm sure a lot of people do we do you know we do the the local stuff where you actually get into the schools we have people which some people would probably consider like ambassadors right we have a professional women in building group that does like mentorships and things like that with young women and one of my coworkers, Melissa, that does a girls in construction camp every year. I think this year is the fourth or the fifth year that they've done it. They fill it every year. These mm-hmm. are young women who are like, I think the, the sixth to eighth grade, right? Just about ready to enter That's high young. school. Yep. 
and and get them interested. And it's not just, you know, hands-on skilled trade stuff. It could be architecture, interior design, things like that to try and show the whole range of kind of like what our industry does and the types of jobs that would be available, not just to men, but to women. And then, then they also go learn how to, you know, do masonry and how to do some welding and how to do some things like that so they can see all those pieces. So we do things like the the construction camps. We do a lot of, you know, going to the schools and talk like the, just the stuff, same stuff that was around when we were kids, right? Where somebody's parents come in and they talk about the, the career day type thing. And we go in and we talk about the types of careers. And usually we bring, you know, business owners with us who maybe started as an apprentice or started as kind of just like a helper and work their way up. Now they're the business owner. Now they build custom homes, you know, kind of to, to, for them to be able to talk about their pathway. We do a lot of stuff on social media. We'll be doing a lot more really soon because we have so much content from our Build My Future events and things like that to, to hopefully start putting them on TikTok and start hitting, you know, like that that way talk about you know to make it fun and entertaining because you we really need to be where they are we can't yes. expect them to be where we are we can't expect 16 year old to enjoy facebook right because all these social media platforms age up is what they say right so facebook yes. when it started yeah it was people my age at that time which was like early 20s when it came out enjoying it. We just came from MySpace and now we're on to Facebook and Facebook was fun for a while, but now my parents or my grandparents are on Facebook, right? What am I doing on there? Right. So then people went to Instagram and then Instagram gets a little older, gets a little bit different. So then people go to the Snapchats and the TikTok. So you got to go to where they are. We can't expect them to be where we are. We don't expect them to read a paper and look for a help wanted ad, right? You got to go to where they are. and, And that's, those spaces. So we try and get better at that. Like I said, we've got some stuff that hopefully we'll start being super engaged on, on TikTok and things like that. And then once again, I think the collaborations with the, the different partners and the different unions and different shops and stuff like that help us a lot mm-hmm. because we can utilize their channels too. And then our partnership with the department of education and all the different groups that they have, whether it be the intermediary group, which is, the group between community colleges and the high schools, yeah. they help us a lot. And then we also have a group called IJAG and JAG is a, as a national program, but Iowa is our version of that IJAG is, and they were huge this year for our build my future event. IJAG alone brought 400 students to the event from all over Iowa. And, and they've got students of all different backgrounds that, that are willing to go out there. So I think just having those little partnerships help us kind of, navigate some of that stuff too or get more like you know what can we help you with can we do mentorships for you can we do job site visits for you just trying to do whatever they need you know can we can we do something like so last year we did a lot of virtual classroom stuff yes that was also counting towards their cte or industrial tech standards for the department of education because we had schools that still weren't in person Wow. So how are they going to get that education? Well, you know, twice a month, our industry stepped up and we did something called Build University, which we tied into Build My Future, where we had panel discussions and then we did job site visits all virtually. So it helped them get an education as well and, and kind of like showcase our industry where we did a different trade every month. But then it also counted towards their education. Oh, that's amazing. Also, I think, you know, it's great that some of the schools are finally getting that and understanding that it's while the academics are great, we have to also 
understand big picture is preparing them to go out into the workforce. So I'm so happy that you have educators that are getting that because everybody doesn't understand the importance of, of the work that you're doing. So um, not every school, not every school educator is going to understand that. Also, are you seeing numbers? So with all this work that you're doing, are you guys able to track, you know, what the results are from these events and, and from visiting these schools in terms of how many students are actually going into the trades? So we're starting to track more and more of that stuff. One of those things that we probably weren't great at when we started, but we continue to work on how to track and, you know, what the right way to do that is. So it is something that we're starting to do to go through and like, then you can prove to so-and-so partner at Build My Future that, hey, this many people went to your exhibit and did your hands-on event at Build My Future. And then they would be able to be like from, you know, let's say, you know, so this year we had almost 3,000 students at Build My Future. They'd be able to go a thousand people into your exhibit. How many of those people, here's their names, how many of those people signed up with you to learn more about your apprenticeship, do your open house. And then from that open house, how many of those people actually got into the apprenticeship? So then we can start tracking that stuff in a lot better way than we have before. And then on the school side of things, I think every school is a little bit different, unfortunately. So some schools or some organizations might be able to track more of what we do better than another school. Yes. And that's something that we continue to work on too, is just trying to get better together at you know, proving that because our industry wants to see that return too. We want to see that return. The school wants to see what's working and what's not working. So it's something that we're all working on together to make sure that we can start kind of showing some of those results because the need is there. The need's not going anywhere. It's just going to keep increasing. And also keep in mind, just because you don't have initial influx of student into the trades, sometimes it's another year and then Oh, you know, they make the decision because, you know, everybody doesn't just because they're interested and they like it doesn't mean that they decide on it right away. You know, sometimes people have to go try something out, taste something else before they circle back and say, okay, now now I want to pursue this, uh, this uh, skill trade profession. Yeah. I mean, for some people, they would consider it like, you know, like a, like a fallback or a second option type thing. Or for some people it's, uh, you know, here we are, older people coming to their classroom, telling them like how good these careers are. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't believe you. So they mm-hmm. kind of got to try something else first before they finally kind of put their toe in the water. And like, oh, well, maybe they were right. This is a, a viable career and I can make money in this and support a family and buy my own house and have toys. And, you know, like some of these kids, I call them kids because I'm twice their age. Like they go out and, you know, they get their first paycheck and like, whoa. And yes. then they start to understand it, especially some of the, you know, we've got a really great uh, relationship with our uh, uh, electric lineman program out here and the, the toys that some of those guys have, because I mean, it's a high risk, high reward job for sure. Yes. That's them with high voltage. They're going out there after hurricanes. They're going out there after oh, yeah. national disasters. They're working, you know, they have, if they'll work as much as they want to work and you can definitely make a lot of money if, if you want to in some of those careers and it's crazy. Yeah. The, that check I think is a, is, is a definite eye opener. If they weren't a believer uh, after they get that first check, I'm pretty sure they are because like I said, there are not a lot of professions that are going to pay young people that kind of money in such a short period of time. And that's what I think a lot of people don't realize is that, First, like you said, you're getting paid well while you're an apprentice and you're in training, and then you're getting paid better once you, you uh, finish the training. So, uh, I mean, it's 
huge, huge advantage in that. I also think that if they have friends or having other young people who've done it ahead of them and hearing from them, I think that would be a huge selling point to get them on board. You know, Absolutely. yep. Like just like their age range of yes. influencer, right? But like a local yes. influencer, they don't need to be hearing yeah. from a Kardashian about the trades. They yes. need to hear from somebody that is, you know, like maybe from their local high school or like, the, like the football captain or football yes. quarterback who's like, you know, I, I'm going to go in and I'm going to be a carpenter. Like that would be huge for a lot of people. And then for them to be like, why are you doing this? And, you know, maybe he's done enough research to be able to break down why, right? Like going yes. back to what you were saying a minute ago, that, yeah, I mean, to do what they, to get those paychecks they're getting with no debt. Oh yeah, that's true. insane. They have no college debt or no debt in general, unless they're out there buying toys like I talked about a minute ago. And then just to be able to, they, they also, a lot of them will set up like their pension and their 401ks and their insurance. And I know no kid in their, you know, 18 to 24 or 25 probably doesn't care about me talking about retirement, but perhaps somebody, a lot of these uh, apprenticeships, they auto deduct. You don't even have to think about it. They're putting yes. 25% of your paycheck into a retirement account for you. And at that age, that's a huge thing to be able to put that money away and have that retirement started. Even if you don't stick with that apprenticeship, that's something that'll stick with you forever. You'll be able to have that money. So, Yeah. And you know, a lot of the older generation right now, we, we've seen it, especially maybe, I'll say maybe 13 years ago when the economy tanked in 2008, a lot of older folks lost their retirement. It was on the news, you know, and so you saw we've learned some lessons. I mean, you know, you and I were not at an age where we're retiring right now, but we saw the older folks in 2008 who lost their shirts and how tough it was for them. Like, it wasn't uncommon for you to see older people having to go back to work. And that's so sad, you know, because they just didn't, you know, they didn't, it's either just a lack of planning or unfortunate circumstances, but these young people are not likely to have that problem if they're having 25% of what they earn going to retirement starting at such a young age. They're going to be in really, they're going to be in a really good position when it comes time to retire. They might not understand the importance of it now, but they will years from now. And thank God that their organizations and skill trades are doing that. Cause a lot of organizations, most businesses do not do that. Right. They don't take that responsibility. No, you know? I think it's very important to have that. Just no thought, just put it in there and it's, it's in there and, when you get done with your apprenticeship, you're like, whoa, look at all this money I have saved up for retirement. It's, I mean, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. I also think that, and I interviewed this business owner once, and he was saying, uh, he was a plumbing owner. I think it was in California. And I'll never forget this. He said, I really wish that I could just take a certain amount of money or out of these young people's paycheck. I wish that I could just put it aside for savings. I wish I could just really sit them down and teach them about how to manage your money. And I was really impressed with him. I had him on my podcast. And like I said, you don't see that too often. And the fact that, you know, because you're saying they're buying nice cars, they're buying this, they're buying that. And it's, you know, it's, it's normal if you're just, if you're really young and you don't have family, like, you, you know, when you were young, you, we all made some bad decisions. You know, I think the money just amplifies, amplifies our inexperience or irresponsibility at a young age. So you're going to make some mistakes regardless. Everybody does when they're young, you know, but it's just 
having that, you know, that money is a blessing and a challenge at times if it's not managed properly. And like I said, I'm, I'm impressed that a lot of skilled trades organizations, you know, take that worry away from these young people and say, hey, we're going to we're going to take care of that for you. Yeah, I think you're seeing more and more push, you know, for the financial literacy stuff. We've got it written into legislation here. And I think it starts in 2023 where it's, you know, part of the curriculum that's taught in K-12 now. You know, oh, when God. I was growing up, you would do, you know, once a once a year, the local bank would come in and they would talk about how to, you know, balance your checkbook and you would learn how to write yes. checks. And that was all you ever got out of it. So yeah. for, for there to be a push for the financial literacy, either from the bank owners or from the company or not the bank owners, the companies or their printers, apprenticeships or, you know, even just somebody within like maybe there's a leader within that organization that's just showing people kind of the ropes, like some of the stuff that you're seeing in the, the NBA and the NFL now where they have those mandatory financial literacy meetings and or, uh, groups where they teach these kids who are walking into millions of dollars how yes. not to go broke. I think that's yes. super important. And then uh, that information and that education can hopefully help you if you did decide to go out on your own and be your own business owner, then you have some of this financial literacy education that can kind of help you like, hey, I understand a P&L sheet. I understand you know, how to make this money, understand how to, how to make this budget type of thing too, which is all important information. Hey, can you share some programs or organizations that are available for students interested in working in the trades that might be able to fund them? Something that they could go look into if they wanted to go into trades. Imagine I'm in high school. Are there any programs that you'd recommend for students to consider? And you're saying go fund them as far as what do you mean by that? I'm sorry. Well, programs that will fund them for their training. You oh, know, yeah. I mean, so, and it really depends. On, so if you're out of high school, I mean, any per union, there's a process that you have to go through, but you'd be able to go through and get, get your sponsor, your business sponsor to go through and you get in the apprenticeship. And, you know, most of the time you'd be able to, they will pay whatever their set wages, you know, and that includes your insurance, your, your healthcare, your, um, your 401k and stuff like that. And you're paid and you're really, a lot of them are, you know, two weeks a year or so, something like that classroom time. The other stuff is on the job training. So yeah, you're learning all the time, but you're being paid and the classroom stuff I think scares people because they're like, Oh, you know, I'm not great at school. I'm way better at the hands-on stuff it's a very limited amount of classroom time for the most part on that stuff. And then on the, on the merit-based shop, which is the non-union route, you would go through and you'd work for a company, you know, so-and-so HVAC company. Right. And that company might have some sort of terms and it, it, they're all different. So I'm just kind of throwing this example out there. So you might have one where they're like, you know, you pay up front or you pay half, we'll pay half. And you stick with us for four years while you're doing your apprenticeship. By the time you get to your fourth year, we'll pay a hundred percent type of thing. Yes. So they actually pay you back for the 50% you pay or whatever yes. the percent you pay is. And you do your training. Yeah. You do your on the job training with whatever HVAC company you're with, but then on the education side, instead of the classroom being at a union hall or uh, apprenticeship hall, it's at a, a place like a, a, an ABC where you would go in the classrooms or within there. And a lot of the teachers are, you know, industry professionals or our ABC staff type thing. So 
there's those those routes are the probably the most common as far as having people basically on the job earn while you learn style um, yeah. things. I'd also emphasize that companies the way they're teaching it's more of like in a, even though it's a classroom it's hands on workshop type like they'll bring in a piece of equipment because I've been in some of these classrooms. And they'll have you work on the actual equipment you're going to yep. work on. So it's not like you're sitting in a classroom writing down notes and they're giving you a math problem. They're very much teaching you what you're going to need to learn on the job. Because at the end of the day, all these companies are trying to do is they're trying to get you ready to be successful on the job. So they, they cut out all the fat and they go straight to what you need to know. And so that's, that's really, that's what a classroom environment is going to be within a business yeah it's not like college yeah you kind of set it the right way or you're cutting out kind of like the fat or some of the stuff that's not that it's not necessary but it's stuff that's not necessary for you know the skills that you need on the job type of thing so like you're not learning about english history or something yes. you know western european history or whatever it is type of thing to go and be an electrician unless you want to but yeah. as far as the apprenticeship goes, it's going to be very specific on the things that you're learning on there. So, so Brandon, I know you went to a tech school. You've changed careers like a lot of people. It's perfectly normal. Can you share some advice for someone trying to figure out what they want to do? Yeah, I think it's really trying to just figure out, you know, what you're good at, what you like to do that, you know, a lot of people would say, find your passion and, and things like that. And I think it's a little bit of both. You also got to be good at it, right? Like you can be passionate about something like I'm passionate about, you know, golf, but I suck. That doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to go be a professional golfer. Sure. I'm not going to quit what I'm doing now. Right. So like the, it's finding something that you're passionate about, but that you're also good at something that if you're, if you're a hard worker and you have the willingness to learn and are good at that type of thing, I think it's really just finding something that makes the most sense to you. If you have a family, obviously your circumstances are super different when you're trying to support something, right? So sometimes it might take longer to kind of get down that road that you're trying to get to because you have a family to support and stuff like that. And that's okay. Like, I mean, there's time to, to figure some of that stuff out. So I think it's really just trying to go in, don't be afraid to try something. And, you know, it, if we're, if you're talking about the trade specifically and, you know, going from, you know, kind of, you know, like I went from real estate and focusing on custom home building to doing this workforce development thing full time, like, you know, like you got to try it. Don't be afraid. I mean, the, there's a lot of jobs within this industry where like, Hey, maybe you didn't fit in, in sales, but mm -hmm. you know what, there's this job, there's, you know, there's a, there's a job coordinator or there's a project manager or something like that. So yeah, maybe you're not good at the sales side of it, but you could shift over here and try one of those out. There's so many different careers available within the industry. As long as you're open to learning and open to trying something, I think you'd be surprised at the type of stuff that we have available here. So don't be afraid to just try it out and see what works for you. Excellent. Hey, Brandon, please share, before we sign off, please share how people can find you, share your contact information if you want to, and any information you want to share about your organization that you're working for. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all over on social media. My I have personal accounts on, you know, Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff, which is Brandon Patterson, and I'm in Des Moines, so I think that's probably on there. But uh, LinkedIn is probably the one that I'm on every day as far as just kind of, 
I don't post every day, but I'm on there kind of interacting with people and engaging with people on there. And uh, we do have Iowa skilled trades accounts on most of the social media platforms too. And that would be our workforce development initiative here. Um, and then DSMHBA, which is the Home Builders Association that I work for, we're on all those as well. And, you know, we post pretty pictures of houses and all that fun stuff that nice. our members do on there. But, um, and then as far as getting a hold of me, yeah, you can get me on there or you can get me my emails, just Brandon at DSMHBA.com, Messenger on any one of those platforms. And then, like I said, Iowa Skilled Trades, we're kind of, we've got a website that's going through some changes and things like that, but we try and update that with build my future events or, you know, put partner information on there and things like that. We're just going to keep on growing that as, as we grow and as we change and try and make it a better resource for everyone. So I'm open to sharing. I say it all the time, like for anybody who wants to start like a build my future or, or is interested in you know, workforce development initiatives and some of the things that we're trying to do. And you think that's interesting. I'm open book. I'll share any of our information with you that you want. Like we're not trying to be the one who holds the secret. I think we all need to like work together and, and do it together. I call people from all over the country all the time to ask them how they do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I think that helps me be better at what we do here and gives us ideas because it's something that's not happened locally here. You're thinking kind of just like stepping outside and, and seeing how others do it. I think that's a huge help. So I'm open to doing that with anybody. Excellent. Well, Brandon, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have your information in the uh, notes of the podcast. We also, as I said, we will have a promo for the podcast that we will have a uh, promo of the episode. And so that information. And thank you, Skill Stadium Podcast. Brandon, I appreciate it. And uh, folks, please reach out to Brandon. Uh, He's a great resource for anyone wanting to learn about the skill trades. Brandon, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Keith. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.